Welcome to the sermons of First Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor James Hunick, and I hope that these sermons help edify you and help you in your Christian faith. Please join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays for worship. If you'd like to know more about us or want to know more about the Lutheran tradition, please visit us at www.youhaveaplace.com or reach out to me at pastorhunick at youhaveaplace.com. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It seems almost fitting that I should be here on this Sunday to be talking about this text because this is the world I live in every single day. This balancing act between the civil world and the religious world. See, in Lutheran side of the house, we have this distinction about the two kingdoms. And I love it. In fact, as an active duty Navy chaplain, that distinction alone helps us very well to be able to put on the different hats at the appropriate times, depending on which kingdom we're living and working in. Now, are we always living and working in both at the same time, no matter who you are? Absolutely. But it's a little bit more pronounced if you live, work, and breathe in the federal system, state system, any sort of government system, and it becomes a little bit more unique. So what are the two kingdoms that Martin Luther started putting out? Well, what he says is you have two kingdoms in how God rules the world. You have the left-hand kingdom, which for you guys, you're looking at me, it's right, but it's my left. You have the left-hand kingdom over here, which deals in the civil realm, and it is ruled by the law. It's ruled by rules, that things happen and then punishments occur according to whatever that thing is. Luther goes on to say there's also the right-hand kingdom over here where God is ruling through his church, through Christ. And it is ruled by the gospel. Not something that says you've broken the rule and now you must pay. It's the one that says, I forgive you all your sins. This reading from Romans 13 highlights this kingdom. And Martin Luther actually used this text very exclusively to talk about one of his uh, writings that he put out there, which was, can soldiers too be saved? Because it says don't murder, don't kill, and this was troubling to him and to many, many people can we who are ordered to go to war, to go and kill, can they be saved? And he uses this text to highlight that there is a distinction with the authority given to a government and an individual. To the government is given this authority appointed by God for the protection of its people in order to be able to have peace, prosperity in the land, in the world, whatever it may be. And in the last 50 years, 60, 70, the world has gotten a whole lot smaller 
in terms of how governments and everything interact, which makes this side a whole lot more difficult. But what he highlights here, what Paul is highlighting in Romans, is that the institution of the government is a good thing for the sake of its people, and that we should follow our leaders. The context for which Paul is writing, it's not a great time. He's writing to the church that is in Rome, but who's the big powerhouse at the time? Who's ruling the world? Caesar, who is Roman. And they didn't particularly like Christians. In fact, in just a few decades would be the time when the Jewish temple is destroyed by the government, the Christians are dispersed throughout the world, and even Nero would be lighting his highways with burning Christians. It's not a good time because they didn't have the things that we have. The ability to believe as you see fit. It was hard, and yet Paul says these words to the church. He says, obey the authorities. If you're doing good, nothing's going to come to you. No authority will punish you for doing good. And later on in a different book, he even goes, and even if they do punish you for doing good, do it anyway. Do good in the world. But here he's highlighting there's only a threat to those who are trying to do evil. When we talk about this side of the house, I found that there's really two ways that law, order, all of this stuff that is ruled by this kingdom is done. It's done either by power or it's held by what I'll throw out there called contractualism. I'll explain that in just a second. Power, I think we understand. Power is the thing that so many people have and so many, or so few people have and so many people want. Power is the thing that allows me to control what you do. And whether we want to admit it or not, our positions in this life do hold certain power. Look at me up here right now, right? Wearing the robe and the stoles and everything. There is a certain power associated with being a pastor, especially if you're a loved pastor. When I was still acting in the civilian churches, my people loved me. So whenever I put something forward, would anyone ever tell me no? No. They don't necessarily tell you no. There's power, there's authority in these. If we're looking at the civil realm, there is power in those positions, and the power is to hold law and order. On the more local level, the thing that I was talking about with contractualism is actually a philosophy put out by a man named Scanlon. And what, if you've ever seen the show The Good Place, it was on a few years ago, um, this is one of those topics they were talking about, how we determine what is good, what is morally right and wrong, 
this is one of those things, and what contractualism says is a group of people comes together and they say, like a contract, this is what we agree to be right and wrong. I think this is how most of our everyday lives go, either through the power struggles from those that have power and those that don't have power, or through the common contracts that we interact with each other. But if you notice where I'm standing when I talk about all of this, I'm in the left-hand kingdom right now. When Paul talks about this, I think he's giving good advice to the church so that they can continue living long as they can, healthy lives, while still being the church. But he's talking about the righteousness of being good people in this world. He moves on to a different thing towards the end of the verses. He says all of that stuff is how you should interact. But he moves over here and says, however, for you in the church, the way your lives should be directed, do that stuff, but don't forget this is the governing factor here. The debt that you owe to each other and to people everywhere is that of love. When we look to how power can be used, it's often the ones who have no power to do anything about it that are the ones that are hurt, that are taken advantage of. We come over here in the side of the church, and we can look over there and say, that's not the way it ought to be. When the poor, the marginalized, the whomever are taken advantage because of power, that shouldn't be it. Our governing factor for us is that of love. The love for the neighbor, even if it's at our own expense, because what goes on over here is that power, contractualism, all of that stuff is looking to what serves me the best. Coming over here, love doesn't ask about what is best for me. In fact, it's most of the time not good for me. Love asks, what's good for you? What's good for that person who is hurting, who is struggling, how can I love them in the face of such darkness? We do this, and why Paul puts this forward on this side of the house, because we have a greater story being told. This is the exact love we see on the cross. The love that comes down and says, you have nothing to offer me, and so I will give you everything. I love you not because you're a sinner. I love you because you need me, and I need to help you. That's the love of Christ for you that has been in each and every one of your lives, and why Paul argues for a different way of life for the church. We love not because we get anything out of it, but because that person in front of me is deserving and worthy of love.
when the whole world beats them down, they need to know that someone cares. And the cool thing about this whole thing that, that Luther put forward is that it's not just two separate. They're both going on at the same time. But who is the middle person, or how do you bridge these two things together? It's through you. You get to bring, in your jobs, in your volunteering, whatever you're doing school, you get to bring love across the line over here. Even if you don't speak about Christ, even if you don't do anything religious, you carry the love over to show that you care about people as people. That's why I love my job so much. I don't think I actually lived in the real world until I joined the military. I think I lived a very sheltered life, if I'm being honest. And it wasn't until I started joining the military and having conversations with people who were talking about horrible things that were going on in their lives before they even turned 18. Things I couldn't even imagine happening to fellow human beings, they're living every day of their lives. And when we have those conversations, it's that opportunity to show the love that in the midst of abuse, in the midst of pain, uncertainty, divorce, any of that stuff, I love you, and I don't hold any of that stuff against you. That's the beauty of living in both of these kingdoms that Luther put forward and that what Paul wants for us. You get to be a light to people that are hurting that know no other way. And you can say, you have maybe never heard this before, so let me tell you this right now. I love you. Not because you give me something, not because you bring something to the table, but simply because you're here with me and I love you. Let's figure out this life together. That's the beauty of the debt that we owe to one another being loved. You get welcomed into some of the best and worst circumstances of people's lives, and they don't do that to everyone. We don't open our stories to everyone. But showing that you care, that opens the door to show someone that very same love that we've been shown here. That's the beauty of love. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermons. If you have any questions about anything that you've heard or anything about the Lutheran tradition, I would love to answer them. Please contact me at pastor, H-U-E-N-I-N-K, at youhaveaplace.com.